0: I do have a few pictures today, just a few, and it really is a a real pleasure for us to be with you. It's exciting to come back and see a lot of friends, uh, which is neat for us to be back with you. Uh, You've supported us for over 10 years in Nicaragua, and I was just thinking the other day as I uh, took a a team down to a cabin, uh, that was our very first missions trip, was to have your church come down and help us build out a cabin and finish that out. And then also every time I mix cement, I think of the youth trip coming down and Luke and I were talking about that this morning, mixing tons and tons of cement. And every time I walk into the dining hall through the screen doors, I think of the Roths coming down and helping us with that. So we're thankful to you for your participation in the gospel. Your participation with us through your prayers, through your giving, and also through active, personal participation with us. We really do thank you for that and really do commend your church for that. We see on the board the number of missionaries you support and pray for, and we're thankful to be a part of that because for us to come here is like coming home to us, coming home to friends and seeing people that we know and people that have come and worked with us on the mission field. So it's exciting for us to be with you and be able to share with you a little bit about what's going on in Nicaragua. It's an exciting place. A lot of stuff happening all the time. It's a little bit of a weird place, but that's probably good because I'm a little bit weird too. So then I thought about that as I thought about the way my mind works. It's kind of a weird place in my brain, and I'll explain a little bit of that as we go through today. If you'd open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 13, we're going to talk a little bit about the parable of the sower. Not a surprise since it's a missionary, Uh, but to go back to the parable of the sower and talk a little bit about what's happening in Nicaragua in light of this passage. It's really an interesting look. So we'll go to Matthew chapter 13. We'll read two different parts. The first part, uh, right there from the beginning, it says, The same day Jesus went out of the house and sat beside the sea, and great crowds gathered about him so that he got into a boat and sat down, and the whole crowd stood on the beach. He told them many things in parables, saying, A sower went out to sow, and as he sowed, some seeds fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured them. Other seeds fell on rocky ground where they did not have much soil, and immediately they sprang up since they had no depth of soil. But when the sun rose, they were scorched, and since they had no root, they withered away. Other seeds fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked them. Other seeds fell on good soil and produced grain, some a hundredfold, some sixty, and some thirty. He who has ears, let him hear. Well, most of the people didn't have ears to hear, and even his disciples were a little bit confused by this. So they later on get a chance to ask him, what about the details? And it's great because this is one of those great passages where you have Jesus telling a parable and giving the explanation. This is how we're supposed to interpret the parable. We don't have to just kind of scratch our heads and wonder. Jesus says in verse 18, hear then the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in his heart. This is what was sown along the path. He indeed bears fruit and yields, and in, in one case, a hundredfold, in another, sixty, and another, thirty. So, there you have that explanation. Christ tells us exactly how we should look at that. And when you look at that story, if your mind's like mine, my mind is kind of like Eeyore. You remember Eeyore? He kind of runs to the negative side of things, and you say, Ah, oh, look at all that wasted seed. Some fall on the path, some fall on the rocks, some fall on the thorns. What happened with that stuff? But what this does is it really reflects exactly what we see in the world around us. Some people hear the gospel and they don't get it at all. And we remember back in Matthew also says, the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God for their foolishness to him. Why doesn't he receive those things? Because they're spiritually discerned. <laughs> if you don't have the Spirit, you don't get it. And so there's some people that are going to be like that. In Nicaragua, we have... Plenty of people just like that, just like you do here. They hear the word, they don't get it, and that seed is, would we say it's wasted? No, we wouldn't say it's necessarily wasted because that seed may fall into good soil somewhere along the way. So we look at this passage, we see people like this all around us, people that don't get it at all. We see other people that get it, respond with joy. Hey, that is good news. I like that. But because they don't have depth, they don't have soil to grow in, they don't produce fruit. And so you see that theme, falls on the pathway, doesn't produce fruit, doesn't grow. You see in that next one where it sprouts up and it shrivels because it doesn't have that depth. Even in the third, it sprouts, but it later is choked out. And what does it say? Doesn't produce fruit. So that's an indicator to us of what we're coming up to. If you're not producing fruit, you're not a plant that's alive. You're not doing what you're supposed to do. And so that's our challenge to us in missions is not just to throw out seed, but we do that. We give out thousands of tracts. We visit plenty of places and, and have brigadas come down and groups come down. We do the evangelism part with that goal. And we have this in our statement of our church planners that everybody in Nicaragua would have the opportunity to hear the gospel through church planning. We call it saturation church planting. We want a church in every neighborhood. We want a church in every area so that everybody in Nicaragua can hear the gospel. But we also want to not just take that step. We want to see fruit because that's how we know that a plant is alive and productive. We just, for the first time, did a major planting in the property we have at Centaurabem, and we planted sorghum. It was kind of an experiment, We'd see how this goes. Well, yeah, all these things happened. Some of the seed fell on the path. Some of it fell in rocky ground and didn't do much at all. It kind of sprang up and withered in our hot Nicaraguan sun. And so we saw all these different things happen. But when you saw those one seed produce this big head of seeds, you understand the story. When that seed takes root, when that plant grows, when it has what it needs, it has the water, it has the sunlight, it has the nutrients boom you get a thousand seeds out of that one seed and you understand that story when we talk about church planting that's what we're trying to see as well we want to see fruit so we don't want to just plant a church and leave it there we want to see that church plant a church and that church plant a church and that we want to see multiplication as time goes on that's that whole idea well you know, my mind is kind of that negative Eeyore type mind. I say, oh, man, we're, we're doing this, and we're working hard, and we're having success. We're having more success than I can handle. <laughs> but my mind always goes to that, oh, what are we going to do about this? We have more problems. We have a problem, and that is our success. We are seeing thousands of kids come through the ministry center. Uh, we just had a foundation this last year uh, decide to give us funding so that we can bring in our church plants and bring in hundreds of kids every week to use the ministry center. It's exciting. It's huge. But we have a problem, is that we're throwing out a lot of seed, but we want to see fruit. We want to see that produce. If we're bringing in 15,000 kids a year to the ministry center, shouldn't we see 15,000 new church members? That's a challenge to us. That's a problem that we have. That's the negative side of this, is we say we're doing that evangelism Are we doing the other side of that? What's the other side of evangelism? Discipleship. You got it right. Are we getting that discipleship done that is really making the difference in Nicaragua? That's that negative side of things that that my mind starts to work on. Well, that's brought about part of my transition in this next year is I'm going to be moving from leadership at the ministry center into education and theological training. Uh, The goal of that is to better prepare our pastors to meet the needs of the people in their neighborhoods. Um, Here's a perspective. Hopefully you grasp this perspective. For many of our pastors, uh, having had very little Bible training, formal Bible training, and, and not a lot of time in church even, you could probably say the seniors that come out of your Christian high school have had 10 times the number of hours in the classroom learning Bible than most of our pastors do. And it just really gives you a perspective. These guys really are lacking... In their abilities to use the word correctly. Now, part of that has to do with our educational system. Part of it has to do with they just don't have the resources and the tools like you guys have uh, here in the States. And so it is a great challenge to us to take Nicaragua to that next level. Evangelism is going on, and we need to do a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot more discipleship. So the good news is there. The seed is being sown, but we also need to make that next step into a much, much deeper discipleship. Let me. Show you a few pictures about what's going on and show you some of the exciting things so that you get a grasp. If you remember, back when we came before, we asked for your prayers uh, for our ministry building. Uh, It was exciting to see that just in the past couple years go from breaking ground to the foundation going in and the building start happening. Uh, We are in a major earthquake zone, so right in the middle of our building, we had an earthquake and it set us back for a few weeks as we had to. Just make sure everything was going to be stable. Our whole country was off work for about three weeks. All the schools closed down and everything. Uh, but that was made for an interesting situation. Uh, got the building up and going. And now is in full use. Now, like I said, we have uh, really, we're averaging about four to 500 kids a week coming in to use the ministry center. And all of that is an evangelistic push with our church plants to bring them in and to use the center for that purpose. And so uh, all sorts of different ministries. We have a regular camp program, a retreat program that's going on. Uh, Just in this month, of course, with uh, teams coming down from the states, we've done basketball camp, done some soccer camp-type ministries, and then also regular VBSs, and then our normal uh, winter camp that we always do every year. So it's in use. And so your prayers and your giving over time has been a part of this. We want to thank you for that. And also remind you that you're always welcome to come down and help us use the ministry center. Come down and be a part of ministry there through different types of ministries. The other part of that is, of course, our church planning program, Training Pastors. And uh, we've asked you to pray specifically for Pastor Luis, who is the leader of that church planning program. Um, I use this to illustrate these three sections here. When we talk about those that are gone, you know, when the seed falls into the pathway... Our churches see that. Now, they're working with all sorts of areas from very poor neighborhoods to more of a lower middle class neighborhoods. But they deal with people that hear the gospel, hear the gospel, hear the gospel. And we're in a culture change in Nicaragua. We've moved from about 10 to 15% evangelical up to about 35 to 40% evangelical. It's a very rapid culture change that's occurring. But what it's creating is... It's going from a you know wish, wish, wa- wishy-washy Catholicism to a wishy-washy evangelicalism. People that are jumping on board to make that change because of a lot of the weird teachings that are out there and weird promises of wealth and health and those kind of things, jumping on board saying, I need to try out evangelicalism because that sounds pretty promising. It's offering me something. And once they get in there and they don't automatically gain wealth and health and those things they just back down to where they were before? People that never go to church, never crack a Bible, really aren't interested, but now they say, I'm evangelical. So the numbers can be deceiving. You can look at that and say, hey, man, we are winning ground in Nicaragua, 40% evangelical. But then you realize that a lot of those people are the moderate, just never attend church type people, but now they're evangelicals. So that's a challenge for us. When you talk about the rocks, uh, Talked about uh, Pastor Luis Garcia last time we were here. We asked for you to pray for him. His church has been on a roller coaster ride just these past few weeks. He had one of his um, church members uh, pass away from cancer, and then just the next week, find out that they were able to purchase land for their church. And then again, this last just yesterday or the day before, a uh, young boy with cer- cerebral palsy in their church died. His mother had just been baptized a week before, but the mother, under pressure from her family has renounced the faith and gone back to her Catholicism. And so you say, man, what is that going on? Well, you see that when that persecution hits, when that trouble hits, underneath that pressure, renouncing the faith, just like that plant that sprouts up, you have high hopes for that plant, but that plant withers. That's a reality. And that's happening all over Nicaragua because there is persecution because of changing, uh, changing faith from Catholicism to uh, evangelicalism. We see the thorns as we see young people come to the church, get involved for a while, but then because our Nicaraguan culture is also changing the sense of being more affluent, they get wrapped up in school. How can I make money? How can I better myself? And are distracted from the faith as they chase after money. Um, when you, we have people coming from extreme poverty and are offered, you know, hey, I can learn English. Well, how can I learn English? Well, I can translate for teams and do that. They get involved in ministry, but then they realize I can make a lot more money working for the call centers. I can work, make a lot more money doing this or that. And they're drawn away from the faith. Just like the thorns that you see there, they sprout up and then they're choked out as they look at money as being more important than the work for the, for the Lord. But then there's good soil. Nicaragua right now is a harvest field in a a real sense. It's wide open for us to go into neighborhoods, visit houses, give out gospel tracts, talk to people. People are very receptive. As I said, we have thousands of kids coming. Uh, It's the, the challenge of having too many kids at VBS. In a sense, you know, we can start with 40 kids the first day and have 200 the next day. And you say, well, the problem with that is, is it's not necessarily effective, We can work with 40 kids and have personal time with 40 kids and even to the extent that uh, you can have fun with 40 kids, but our goal is not just to see kids smile. And I say that because I watched a commercial just yesterday asking for money for a missions trip and her, her whole attitude was, hey, it was just so great to see those kids smile and we taught them Jesus loves you in English, which the kids didn't understand, but it made her feel good. And you say, is that the kind of missions trip we want to do? No, it's not. It's not about just making kids happy or making kids feel good. It really is about that verse that you see there. Love the Lord your God with all your heart. You know, we want to make that move from simple evangelism to discipleship. And we need to make disciples. That's what our mission in Nicaragua is. That's why I'm moving uh, now from an administrative job back to teaching, which really is my energy. That's where I find energy and find my love for teaching there, because we need to build disciples. We've got the percentages, we've got the numbers, but if you look at numbers, they can be deceiving. We need to make more disciples. In order for the church in Nicaragua to succeed, we have to make more disciples. And that's really what we want to look at. And so that's why I use this picture here. Uh, There's Emma working with um, some kids there. That's our goal. It's more of a one-on-one thing that we have to develop. And that can only happen when you put churches into the neighborhoods, when you have pastors that are there full-time, that can dedicate their time to their neighborhood, get to know the people, visit the people on a daily basis and be involved with them. That's why we need to plant more churches. Uh, Right now through the church planning program, we've gone over about 30 churches. So 30 churches in the past 10 years, it's exciting. But again, we want everybody in Nicaragua to hear the gospel through church planning. How are we gonna do that? Well, we have 30, we need 300 more. 3,000 more, 30,000 more. There's so many towns that don't have a, a, a clear gospel witness. We have to be there. We don't want to create more plants that don't produce fruit. We want fruit producers. And so that's going to happen through discipleship. We're growing so rapidly that evangelicalism can become a revolving door in Nicaragua, and we don't want that to happen. We want people to get into the church and stay in the church. A big part of that is youth. Now, this is really interesting. Um, As I was reading uh, some stuff about this, um, a writer, Andrew Root, has written another book about Dietrich Bonhoeffer. There's about 20 of them out there now. But it was interesting because he takes a different perspective of Bonhoeffer as a youth worker and talking about the youth movement that was happening in Germany in the early part of the 20th century. Youth were getting together. They were going out together as youth, lots of energy. They were going out and camping and traveling all over Europe, And that energy was there, and that is the energy that the Nazis tapped into to support their movement. They got youth on board, and they used youth for their movement. Well, what the difference was, was Bonhoeffer said, that's not why we have youth. We don't have youth in the church just to keep the church alive. We don't work with youth just because we need their energy for the church. The energy of the church is not the youth. What is the energy of the church? The Holy Spirit, the gospel, working through the Holy Spirit to reach people. And so he said, it is the task of youth not to reshape the church, but rather to listen to the word of God. It is the task of the church not to capture youth, but to teach and proclaim the word of God. So as we look at the thousands of kids that we can bring in every year to the ministry center, it is not our goal just to capture them so that we can bump up the numbers. Not just to say, hey, look how many people we had visit our ministry center. It is to say, how can we put the word of God into their hearts and let the Spirit do that work of making real disciples? And that's what we want to be on board with as we as we look at Nicaragua. Now, I'm not a big hype person. I mean, you can say, hey, we're big on discipleship. No, we're big on evangelism. Those two have to go hand in hand, and there has to be a balance between those two. We want to evangelize and make sure that those people that we've evangelized become disciples. We need to make that happen. To make that happen, we need your prayer. We need you to pray specifically for these Nicaraguan pastors as they work in their churches. And we need, and I'm thinking about this because I'm moving more into that realm, I'm going to be working more with those pastors. I need to do a better job of informing you about who those are. So here's what I'm telling you that I'm going to do. I'll be sending you names and pictures of pastors that you can pray specifically for. So get on the email list. There you go. That's the shameless plug. Get on the email list so that you can find out who those guys are so that you can pray specifically for pastors. You'll find out about where they are, what they do, where they minister so that you can be specifically praying for an individual, for a pastor and his family. We need your prayer for our education of pastors. They need a lot more depth. Imagine taking a 14 or 15 year old level kid and throwing him into the pastorate. Uh, a lot of our guys are at that level educationally and they need more education. They need more training in how to interpret the scriptures. We need deeper pastors because that produces a deeper flock. So that's a big part of our prayers. We also need you to prep new missionaries to come and help us in Nicaragua. One of our prayer requests last time was for you to pray for our transitions. We added three new missionary families and single Girl also into that. God added those families just at the time we needed them because we just got the money from the foundation to bring in thousands of kids and we had just the right people we needed to fill those slots. Well, I'm looking down the road five years, ten years, and saying, where's our next missionaries? I'm looking over the youth side. So we need those new missionaries. We need you to prep new missionaries to go to the field. We'd love for them all to come to Nicaragua, but we know you probably have to spread them out a little bit. But we'd like them to come to us, but we need new missionaries. We need you to prep them. We need missionaries that have been discipled, missionaries that can do discipleship. We need missionaries that can teach the word and teach others how to teach the word. We need construction workers to help us build churches, electricians to come and help us rewire some pretty sketchy churches. We need all of that stuff to happen. We We need you to prep people for missions. Not just traditional missions, because all of that's changing. We need missionaries in all sorts of different areas and all sorts of different fields. That's your job, to prep them. We need them to come ready to work when they get to the mission field. And we need to keep the priority. That is keeping the kingdom in focus. When you work with your children, when you work with your family, do you have eternity's values, and views? Do the decisions that you make in your family reflect that the kingdom is important? Do the purchases you make or the entertainment you look at, does that reflect what you think in your heart about the kingdom? Do you say to your kids, it's time to tighten our belts because we want to give to a project in Thailand? Maybe you want to print Bibles in India. Maybe you want to send kids to camp in Colombia, whatever it's going to be. Do you tighten the belt a little bit and say, hey, we're going to sacrifice on this end because the kingdom is important to us? putting those priorities in the right places? Well, we have a lot of stuff that's exciting going on in Nicaragua, but we have huge obstacles. And so I want to challenge you again to think about what we have here in the scriptures. The seed is being sown and people are responding, but we want to take them beyond those first levels that you see there. We want to take them beyond the the seed that's sown in the pathway, we want to prepare that soil better so that it's good soil. When you get to the one who is beaten down because there's not enough soil, that's preparing the soil. We need your prayers to help us to prepare the soil. We need your influence and your uh, participation in the gospel to prepare that soil so that we can see fruit. We want fruit that is going to be fruit that goes on producing fruit. And we need your prayers for that we need your preparation of new missionaries for that, and we need your priority to be the gospel of the kingdom. And so that's my challenge to you to think as you think about, about ministry in Nicaragua and around the world, how are you involved? Are you putting these things into practice? Looking at it and saying, we want to support missionaries, not just in word, but in deed. Say, how can I be involved? How can I be involved in prayer? How can I be involved? in prepping new missionaries and maybe your own kids or your own grandkids that get to go and also be involved in making that a priority in your life. Thanks again for your prayers for us and your support for us. We can't be there if you're not here behind us, helping us. And so we want to thank you for that. But we also want to challenge you to keep moving forward, help us in Nicaragua to to impact Nicaragua. It's a wide open harvest time in Nicaragua The missionaries for the next century and beyond are going to be coming from our part of the world, so we want to be a part of making sure that happens. Thank you.